you know, people really, they kind of know what to do. I mean, clients know what to do for the most part, like the general elements of saving and investing and spending. They know what to do, but they just don't. Right, Brad? Wait, are you trying to say that I, I mean, what's my role if, if that's the case, you know, aren't I supposed to tell them what to do? They don't know what to do. I think you're right though, Charles. I, for me, you know, it's like, what are the two biggest issues we have in the United States? It's people not saving for the future and people spending more than they make. And I personally have yet to meet a human being, even my nine-year-old who doesn't know better. So the two biggest problems we have, everybody knows better. They're not doing better. I think you're onto something. You know, it's kind of like this. I mean, this is the shit that people just think they're going to tell someone what to do. And then automatically it just goes away. Like they're just, the problem is just solved. Like I just, I wave my magic wand of learning on a person. And now suddenly that client is just going to go. And for the rest of their lives, they're going to follow that advice. There's not going to be any extraneous forces that are going to get in the way of that. And it's just done. I mean, wouldn't that like, if that was actually true, wouldn't that just totally disrupt not only the financial planning profession, but every other profession probably, because it was like a one-stop shop. I met with the planner back in 1986, and now I am set for the rest of my life from that one visit of learning, right? Yeah. It reminds me of a group of prostitutes. Okay. And uh, let me explain. Let me explain before you go cutting me off and no longer want to host a podcast with me. So a a group of brilliant um, psychologists got together and they decided to do an educational program for prostitutes. And the educational program was going to focus on health, safety, taking care of yourself. And it was this, um, you know, brilliant group of researchers who got together and came up with a curriculum. And then I'm sure it was some intern in the back of the room, you know, who's Who's like, hey, wait a second, like, shouldn't we find out what they already know? <laughs> Which is actually a brilliant question. Um, and come to find out, they decided to do that. And come to find out, th- they had a better correct, they knew more than the experts did when it came to, you know, h- how to maintain health, how to maintain safety. I mean, obviously, right? and collectively as a group, there was so much more wisdom in that group than the psychologists could have hoped to come up with. So I, it always, and, and actually, that that helps spark the whole field of motivational interviewing, which is one of the techniques that we teach um, financial planners to use. It just seamlessly goes into practice because it's it's conversational techniques, right? And just realizing that people already know what they need. They, quite often, they already know so much. And so to honor that before we jump in, giving people advice. Yeah, it, it, you know, I thought we were gonna. I, I didn't know we were gonna talk about the prostitution. I, you know, I was thinking, okay, can we? I can tell we by your from, face. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes. If you're watching this on the YouTube channel, my the, my face. Oh my gosh, we're talking about the psychology of prostitutes podcast, right? Right. Um, okay, so so let's take a step back. We're gonna dive into instincts here. That's our that's our kind of our segue that what, into. That's what oh, we we're gonna do. All right. So that's right. what we're gonna do. We're okay. gonna talk about instincts. So if you look at our big model. So there's a big wheel. If you follow us on LinkedIn, you've seen the wheel that kind of encompasses all the different things that are part of the book, that are part of our education programs. And we start with this kind of first element here of thinking about our instincts, right? And so, you know, 
we we have all of these different things, all of the, the what you're listening to right now to, to listen to this podcast, what you're using, whether what you're using to listen to this podcast with and all the other devices, you know, they're updated all the time. Um, my iPhone got an update last night. I mean, it, we constantly get updates. But the one, the most important thing that we use, our brains haven't been updated for Brad and I went back and forth when we were developing the, this curriculum about how long it was. I said that it was like, I don't know what I said. I said 50,000 and I think you were like at 100,000. Yeah. And then we looked at, I forget how that went, Brad, but we were back and forth, like how old our brains actually were relative to an update, right? Right. Yeah. I, I think I won, but I, my memories usually leans in that direction. <laughs> well, yeah, there's a, there's, there's confirmation bias, which is not this episode is the next bias, you know, where, where you, you look for information that will, you know, actually prove. So I actually, I think what happened was Brad said, I, I ignored the other 10 sources and right. you, that, you, that proved me correct. Yeah. That's what I like to do. <laughs> that's right. So, so he said a hundred thousand, I said like 50,000 and then he found a site on Google that shared with me that said a hundred thousand. So see how that works folks. So yeah, we're all victim to it. So we think about this element of instincts, getting into this kind of first phase of what we're doing here that we have hunting and gathering brains, right? We're thinking about our brains are designed to, for basic elements of safety or, or, address an instant need that we have relative to hunger or reproduction or whatever it might be. Um, and that has real implications for us when it comes to our, our money, right? Yeah, absolutely. Like, I mean, the, the non-academic way to say it is that we're all crazy when it comes to money. And I think this is a really important thing to, to frankly embrace because there's so much shame around money. And, you know, people are ashamed they have too much, ashamed they have too little, ashamed of financial mistakes they make, which is one of the reasons that I, I try to publicly talk about mine as, you know, one of the world's leading experts in, in this space. I mean, it, we're, we're all screwed up when it comes to money, all of us. And that's where the financial instincts come in. That's where the cognitive biases in behavioral finance, it's just we're all wired to do it absolutely wrong. We're, we're wired, for example, to be present focused and not future oriented. Think about it, like in terms of survival of our ancestors, and this is such a great model to think about this, like anytime you're running into somebody engaging in some sort of destructive financial behavior um, that makes no cognitive sense to you when you're looking at them, it really helps to just imagine how would this approach to life, how would this approach to materials, how would it have helped our ancestors to survive? Because we are the products of um, highly successful survivors and 99.9% of our existence on this earth has been in hunter-gatherer groups that are roaming around, not even the um, agricultural era. That's like, that's even new. We haven't even adjusted to that era in terms of our brain functioning, which, which is, you know, one of the reasons why we have such a problem with obesity. It's like we have not been able to evolve and adapt, you know, to even having an abundance of food in, in that type of scenario. And so anytime you're running into one of these issues, just think, you know, how would a cave person think? And how would this have helped them survive? Yeah, so that'd be the the ancestors that I guess they would have been ancestors, but the people from you know thousands, tens of thousands of years ago that didn't run with the herd away from the lion, they're not ancestors of ours, right? They they didn't make it. So you know, even though you may think you have a crazy uncle, um, 
I mean, I know my nephews do, but even though you they think you have a crazy uncle, you you are the product of of the relatively good decisions that were from survival back then, but now things have changed. And you know, I, I mean I think about this element of instant gratification, which is a bigger challenge now for clients, for all humans, but certainly for clients um, than ever before, right? We have made um, we have made life frictionless, right? You know, that whether it's whether it's Amazon, whether it's ordering food, whatever it might be, all of that is designed to eliminate the friction so that we will make that purchase. And that element of instant gratification, which goes back to yeah, they didn't have refrigerators back then. So if I was hungry, I had to go get something right away and eat it. Um, but now that instant gratification could really work against us because we have so many different factors that make it so easy to satisfy whatever whim we have. Yeah. The other thing that comes to mind too are um, since before the show, I was showing you all my TikTok swag, right? You know what? Like, I have to tell you guys, you how you know how to go see, I should say guys, see you folks, but here it is. So if you're watching, I do yeah. we go through the whole thing, show them all, all the different you things. I'll go all, sit like back. These, I didn't, you know, I didn't prepare for this either. These are just all near my desk. My favorite one, you're going to love this one is this um, skateboard deck. Do, do I look like a skater? I don't know, but TikTok sent me a skateboard deck. Um, so I, I want you to see this though, so that you know that I have status, so that you know that I'm important. And you know what, what's so fascinating about that is we we give young people advice like you shouldn't care what other people think, I, which is probably like one of the dumbest things that a, an adult has ever uttered to a ch child, because we are all we are wired to care about our status. We absolutely are. And what's so interesting is the counterculture people who don't care about status stuff. You understand that they have a whole status group and how countercultural you are. Like, I mean, are you <laughs> are you countercultural enough? Like, I mean, who's the most countercultural? And it, it's it's one of those biases that it harms us to to deny it. It harms us because then we become susceptible to it in a subconscious way. Like, um, th this one always comes up for me because I, I moved to Boulder, Colorado, a few years ago, and when I was on Kauai, I drove a Toyota Tacoma truck because. Um, well, I had all these rational reasons for wanting it, right? At all these things that made sense. And as I'm driving off the lot, you know, driving home, I, I look around and and everybody drives <laughs> Toyota Tacoma, right? Even the colors I picked. And I was just sort of struck by this. I had all these reasons why I wanted it. But really what it came down to is psychologically, I wanted to belong to the tribe. And so my status in the tribe mattered. And for me in Boulder right now, it's it's like, I want to buy a Sprinter van. And, and what's so crazy is I had all these reasons to buy a Sprinter van. And then I counted, because I usually will bike or walk to the office. And I counted one day about 12 of them from my house, a mile away to my office in people's driveways. And yeah, yeah, I want it. I, it psychologically, I want it because other people have it. And so when we deny these types of instincts, that's when they hurt us. Being aware of it, you can counteract it, but you have to be aware of it. I thought more people drove Subarus in Boulder. I thought there people were going to say Subaru. Too. Yeah, a lot of those. So, I mean, the element of the herd instinct, which we kind of talked about a little bit and thinking about, um, well, I, I mean, I think about FOMO, right? And, you know, that, um, and we write about this and we teach about this, that, you know, we get into crypto and it's always interesting talking to advisors about crypto. And it's usually an emotional response and with good reason. 
But what to me is interesting relative to this specific area that we're focusing on today is that the successes are being touted and not necessarily the folks that are losing everything. You know, we go on to social media. It's like the worst poker game ever, Brad, right? Because we, we know that in most cases, we are curating our lives. We're posting, you know, the highlights for the most part. There are exceptions to that, but for the most part, we we want to. We've already talked about status, self presentation theory. If you want to, if you want to Google that, that's a big area. We and, and I've written about that in other books. But we want, you know, we want to put our best foot forward, and so we curate our lives. The problem with that, the reason why it's the worst poker game ever, is that we accept as reality for the most part, what other people are posting on social media, even though they're doing the same thing. And so if we know the people, you know, that's why they always say with Facebook groups, if you have a small group and you know who they are, it can actually work, right? You say, well, that's my crazy cousin. I know he's posting all those things, but his life's a mess, right? (laughs) You know, you kind of know that. The, the, The challenge is we don't know these people and our clients don't know these people, and they're touting these successes from crypto or saying that they're getting you know a, a 25% return on something. And now they're coming to you, the advisor, and saying, you know, I want that, right? And so that creates a huge challenge. Now, you had a plan. Everybody agreed to the plan. And again, it goes back to the beginning of this conversation. We knew what to do, but now there's forces that are kind of changing that relative to FOMO and, and all these other factors. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, even though we know it's fake, at least we, we sense it's fake, uh, we, we feel like we're missing out. You know, as soon as you said FOMO, I'm like, wait, what? What am I missing? You know, um, we're, we're, we're wired for that. And, you know, during the pandemic, it was it was really in my face, too, just looking at social media. And I realized that the people who had kids would would look at posts of people, you know, cuddling up on the couch with a book you know, and some hot cocoa and just be like, oh, oh my gosh, you know, my life would be so much better if I just had a little space to do that. And then people who were, um, didn't have kids or were single were, would see posts of these smiley, happy families baking cookies and just feel like, oh, if, if only I was in this pandemic with other people. And it's just, it, it's, this is just part of how we are. I feel like as human beings, one of our instincts is to never be satisfied, never be satisfied. And it's, it's one of those instincts that I'm grateful for because if, you know, if our ancestors had been satisfied with, you know, um, outdoor toilet facilities, <laughs> we'd all still have outdoor toilet facilities. I mean, I feel like it's, it's part of our, um, you know, our, our instincts as a, as a species and our ability to adapt. And it's part of the reason why we have the quality of life we have right now compared to all of our ancestors, because people didn't settle, but obviously, um, it has to be tempered because, we can, um, you know, we, we see this with people who have wealth, but they have this like scarcity mindset. They come from poverty and it's never enough, right? And it's it's not a nefarious thing for them. Quite often it's out of anxiety. There's not enough, right? So I need to save more. And so, you know, I, we have, obviously we need to find a balance. Let me think about just all those different factors that somehow get in the way of what that that plan might be. And And so, you know, when we started with this, this this first part because we saw that as, this is kind of like the kind of the underlying <clears throat> beginning of all of these different factors that go into the psychology of financial planning. What we really wanted to do, or what we're doing in some of the um, in the educational programs, is really just lay that foundation and also like reminding 
advisors that it's not just about telling them on a one in in one specific instance, but it's it is actually constant care and feeding of the client, and maybe it's care and feeding of the financial plan to constantly be reminding of the big picture, right? What's the what? Where are we trying to get to? And and the other part about that too is going back to this idea of friction. You know, we can do lots of different things to make the good stuff frictionless and make the bad stuff have lots of friction towards the bad stuff. So for example, um, we can, we can be, we can live closer to a park or a gym, right? If we, if, if physical fitness is our number one priority, then, you know, driving 20 miles to get to a fitness facility, that's a lot of friction. So we can eliminate that, or we could even do little things like putting our running shoes next to the next to the the front door of the house so that we're going to we're going to actually going to put them on and and go to run or we could do things with our um with our diet and whatnot and i guess brad you know from an advisor perspective automation probably plays a big part of making the good stuff frictionless right yeah absolutely and it harnesses that instinct we have for a status quo it's called the status quo bias where it takes energy, right, to change things. And so all things being equal, like why put forth the energy? And so that is, it's, it can be bad. Like if you're not saving for the future, the status quo bias is a major problem. But if we can get clients really excited about why they want to save and, and have a real clear vision, and we're going to talk about that in future episodes, like the power of that, then what you want to do is capitalize that um, on that by in, engaging in some sort of automation, because you'll have a status quo bias related to that too. Like, especially if it's something you're attached to, it's a goal you feel passionate about, you automate, you're not going to go change that. I mean, it requires a lot of energy to do that. A lot of, a lot of steps you have to take, including telling yourself that um, this is no longer important to me. But the bottom line, Charles, is that let's go back to the friction. I, I, I realize I need to make, increase the friction on candy. Like, you know, I, I need to like have it out of the house or something, you know, like where it would require me to go get my car and and go drive and get it. And the the entire time I'm driving there, I can just like beat myself up about it. Like, what are you doing? I'll probably turn the car back and and not get it. So I'm going to put some of that candy friction. Can we trademark that? That that should be something. Candy friction. Yeah. You know, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, for me, it's like, it's, it's actually cookies and I can't just, I can't have it in my place. I, if I have it, I'm going to eat. Like a, I am like a goldfish. If you if you just if you dump a whole box of food into that goldfish bowl, the <laughs> goldfish is going to eat it. I'm like that with with cookies. If I have it here, I'm just going to eat it. And so for me, the friction is just don't have it here, right? And 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 that helps. Um, for the most part, that helps. It doesn't always help, but it does help. Um, I actually, you know, the ultimate. And OCD is not part of this uh, any episodes of this podcast, although it probably should be. Um, when the pandemic hit, I bought a I bought a treadmill, and I put it. It is right next to my bed. The treadmill is right there, and you know I actually continued, and I've I've ran, um, I've run like five days a week. I do about forty miles, but I have that thing. It is looking at me. It is right there. It is just. It is just part of life in this domicile. 
is that treadmill. Uh, and it works. It's probably going to kill my knees at some point, but that is, is friction. I, that, I don't know. That could be, you know, that could be frictionless, or you could say it's actually creating friction, but, but that's, uh, that was a big step in, in an OCD world with the pandemic. You're not throwing clothes on it or using it as a towel hanger. That's impressive. And also like, like literally you have to like walk over it, pretend it's not there um, if, if you weren't going to use it. So that's great. That's exactly right. And it, and it also works for writing books too, by the way, you know, if you've got a bunch of stuff, it's just staring at you. It's just looking at you. Yeah. Don't, don't um, we have a deadline looking at us speaking we, of writing book deadlines? We do have a deadline looking at us and it, it doesn't go away. It just, we, we're, and, and Brad and I talk like every day because we're building all this stuff. And so it's, we're looking at each other in the face and that's like, like I see Brad's face. I think deadline, like that's deadline. <laughs> it's like we gotta, it's a that, negative association. <laughs> negative uh, association. Yeah. So, so psychology, financial planning, everybody is done and we're super excited about that, but we have a toolkit coming out associated with it. That is, is just incredible. I'm very excited about it, but we do need to finish that Charles. Let's yeah, before we advertise it, we yeah. probably need to finish oh, it. Oops. Just, Sorry about that. No, no, it's all it's all good. I think it's all I think you could buy it on Amazon. I think you could already get it on Amazon, something that's not even finished yet. Um you know, Shakespeare never had these problems. Um you know, I always joked about that with like other books. That like you would gather if you notice, like if you go and you check stuff, or you go and check like Amazon, you want to see if your book is there or whatever. This is completely irrelevant. But you suddenly, you know, the algorithms start to know that you have an interest in this area. So like the last book, I did a book, I did this numb book and I would get an email from Amazon saying, uh, we think you're really going to love this book. And it was numb. It was my book. And I thought to myself, <laughs> I, posted on, hey, I posted on social media. I was like, what if Shakespeare had this problem? Like, hey, I think you're really going to love Hamlet. I mean, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I mean, at this point, we should all just trust the algorithm because chances are it knows you better than you know itself, or at least it knows your um, subconscious cravings and, and desires. It's a little bit scary. It is a little bit scary. Yeah, yeah. Although I don't know that I would give give that book, particular book five stars, but nevertheless, that's a different podcast. Um, so we're really excited about this academy that we're doing. And Brad, this was your idea. So why don't you explain it? Well, I've noticed in, um, you know, so my teaching at the university, at Creighton University, and a lot of the professional development, it's like, and, and I want it myself, bottom line is like, so, I, so I'm a member of some membership groups that um, for me, it's, it's focused on social media content creation and all this that I, that I go to and I, and I check in and it's, I'm part of a community and I realize that there's a, a lot of desire for that. And so the idea with the Academy is we, we have some asynchronous trainings, of course, and, and we'll always continue to do that. But there is something that quite often people want more of an intimate connection and they want to um, you know, talk about the latest and greatest and newest stuff. And so the Academy had that in mind. It's, it's you know, a couple hours a month where we get together, we can talk through some of the content. We were creating one session to be more of a um, coaching session where planners can bring the latest thing they're concerned about or particular case they want to talk about, as well as like a, you know, a Facebook group that is exclusive to the Academy. So just as a way to stay connected and stay current and um, something that people, I enjoy, you know, my, being a member of such groups around other areas of interest. So that, that was our thinking. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, it's like, I, I find in teaching it like the executive programs that I've done, like you would have an open office hour online 
and there's like 40 people enrolled and you have 40 people showing up for the open office hour just because you, you want to make things interesting and you want to have connection. And I always think about it, you know, coming from education and people, and I think it's the same with advisors, you know, it's, it's very counterintuitive, but they're actually lonely professions because you're, you're, you're essentially, especially if you're working in sp- certain business models, you don't have that connection with other people. You don't have that interaction to really kind of talk about some of the challenges. So um, we're really excited about that. You could, you could visit psychologyoffinancialplane.com to enroll. We're going to start that in August of 2022. Um, and we hope that you'll check that out. Um, you could email us for the podcast. You could email us at SciFinplan at gmail.com. It's a terrible email address. I just get it. it I, I picked it out. But it's it's PSY and then Finplan, F-I-N-P-L-A-N at gmail.com. SciFinplan at gmail.com. If you have a question for the podcast, you will answer that. Or if you have an interesting anecdote, if you want to tell a story about how one of us was boring at a conference or something like that, whatever it might be. Well, yeah. Style advice and anything that um, if you have any suggestions on how Charles can improve his personality, um, anything like that, just send it our way. You, that's true. Or maybe suggestions on how Brad could create a less hostile work environment. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. We're, we're less interested in your thoughts on that, but you send them all our way. <laughs> uh, um, kidding. It's great. Brad's it's, it's great. We're, we're, we work together. It's every day. I spend, I spend time with him, which is wonderful. Um, it's been a great collaboration. Uh, I should mention you can get the Psychology Financial Play podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, and our new friends at iHeartRadio. Um, and the audio engineer for the Psychology of Financial Planning podcast is Tim Dolbear, who puts all this together and makes it presentable. Um, next episode, Brad, we're talking about heuristics and biases. We're not going to go through the whole list, are we? Sounds boring. No. <laughs> we have to make that fun. All right. We'll make that's it our, fun. That's our promise. We promise to make it fun. Yes. Um, we won't go through all of them. And relevant. So we're going to make it relevant. I mean, that, that's the whole point. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. Relevant. Yes. We're yes. going to make it relevant. Something so you can use in your practice. Exactly right. So visit us at psychologyoffinancialplanning.com for all the stuff that we're doing. And thanks for joining us. And we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.